0: Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. wish God's grace and peace to each one. I want to welcome each one to our service. It's a blessing to be able to gather together in the name of Jesus and fellowship together, be encouraged as we study the Word and see what God has for us. We just sang a song and we asked God to permit us to linger at his feet. I don't think it's just a matter of God permitting us to linger. He invites us. He calls us. And so often I find myself too busy to linger. It's not that God doesn't want me to. It's that I don't avail myself of his invitation. Turn with me, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter two. As I pondered what to to share this morning. I was reading the book of Jeremiah and a number of things stuck out to me combined with circumstances. The idea of water, that's on my mind recently. A lot of people may not think about water very often. You go to the faucet, you get a drink when you need it, you flush the toilet, you take a shower. Water. It's just part of life. Is water just a part of your spiritual life? Do you take it for granted? Let's read here. Jeremiah 2, verses 1 to 13. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and the firstfruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me? They have gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and are become vain. Neither said they, Where is the Lord that brought us out of the, hand of, out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought? And of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt. And I brought you into a plentiful country, to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when ye entered, ye defiled my land, and made mine heritage an abomination. The priests said not, Where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. Wherefore, I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. For pass over the isles of Chittim and see, and send unto Kedar, and consider diligently, and see if there be such a thing. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. The title this morning comes from verse 13, The Fountain of Living Water. I think this is one of Jeremiah's first prophecies against Judah. As he looked back at history, they had been devoted to their redeemer. As it says in verse 2, the kindness of thy youth, it was it was a youthful passion, the love of a bride for her bridegroom. They appreciated what the Lord had done for them in delivering them from bondage. They were special to God and anyone that, that afflicted them, God was ready to, to judge and did. God protect, protected them and provided for them. And then God asked the question through the prophet, what did I do wrong? Have I failed you? God didn't fail or change, but the heart of the people was turned away. They forgot God and they ceased to seek after him. And the question's raised, who of the heathen has forsaken the idols that their fathers served? The heathen are, are even they follow, they, they worship the same gods, which are not even gods, that their fathers did. And he points out two different types of people, the civilized regions of the north and the the barbarous tribes of the south at the time. Neither of them forsook the gods, the idols of their father, but here Judah had exchanged the glory of the living God for vanity. Later in verses 31 and 32, He says this, O generation, see ye the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness unto Israel, a land of darkness? Wherefore say my people, we are lords, we will come no more unto thee. Can a maid forget her ornaments, or a bride her attire? What bride would forget that it's her wedding day and wear some meager torn dress? It's impossible. He says, my people have forgotten me days without number. They've walked away. The picture here, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters and hewed them out. Cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Word pictures. God uses a lot of that through the prophets. And here, the word picture of a fountain. You have to use your imagination. But think of water bubbling up, pure, plentiful. It was despicable enough for these these people to abandon a fountain of water, but then to try to make your own water supply. I don't know much about cisterns, and I I think they were and are not such a bad idea for containing water, <clears throat> excuse me, for use at a later time. But I have seen the inside of a cistern or two. And the water is stagnant. It's still. I looked in one the other week, and you think of water, you don't think of the surface of water much, but there were little trails on the surface of the water. There were creatures living in it. Not only that, there was a broken pipe, and it was draining out, and it was causing a problem. These people, God said, were like those that chose a broken cistern, empty, stagnant, becoming empty for their deepest needs, for their deepest, to fulfill their deepest need, to fulfill, find fulfillment in life. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 36. Can just be reading verses five through ten. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains, thy judgments are a great deep, like a deep ocean. O Lord, thou preservest man and beast. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. O oh, continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. The psalmist here is declaring that he has found... God to be that source of truth, of real purpose, of lasting pleasure, protection, and provision. You think of a river. And for for a moment, forget all the, the contaminants that are in a river, but compare a river to a pond. We were irrigating yesterday out of a creek and a portion of the creek that was a pond, and eventually the pond got empty. The river has not yet gotten empty. It continually flows. There is always more coming. That is a picture of God's provision, always more, always fresh. Yesterday I saw a slogan on the side of a truck, advertising furniture, it said, find your happy. Where do you find happy? Is it in your surroundings or is it knowing and drinking, knowing God and drinking at that stream of living water? But in this verse, these verses also, what stuck out to me was them that know thee. Continue thy loving kindness to them that know thee. In verse 8 of Jeremiah 2, it said that they that handle the law know me not. And here, God's promise of, of continued care is to them that know thee. And it reminds me of Matthew chapter seven, a very sobering passage, where Jesus says, "Not everyone that says Lord, Lord, not everyone that acknowledges me, not everyone that believes in me, and not everyone that can do wonderful works, cast out devils, prophesy in the name of Jesus, will enter the have, enter heaven, but those." who are known of God and who know God. What does it mean to know God? What does it mean to drink of this fountain of living water? Psalm 63 I'd like to read that Psalm. I think most of us would agree that David was someone who knew the Lord. It was mentioned in our Sunday School class this morning, thinking of David as he interacted with God and the record that we have of that, how he had his heart turned toward God and how God rewarded that. David wanted to build a, temp, a house, a temple for God, and God said, no, you can't I want your son to do it, but because you wanted to, I'm going to build you a house, a, a, a lineage. Your, your family line will be on the throne. But here David Someone who who knew the Lord, who loved the Lord. And listen to the the verbs here in in this psalm. Psalm 63. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee thy right hand upholdeth me but those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go down shall go into the lower parts of the earth they shall fall by the sword they shall have be a portion for foxes but the king shall rejoice in god everyone that sweareth by him shall glory but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped do you see here a working of desire and response in seeking And desiring God is a response of worship. I long for you, God. I thirst for you. But in that, I bless you for what I've received. I praise you for who you are. I think the two go hand in hand. If we truly see God for who He is and what provisions He offers, we will desire more of that. We will desire to know Him more. I understand that the brilliant scientist Sir Isaac Newton said that he could take his telescope and look millions and millions of miles into space, And then he added, but when I lay it aside, I go into my room and shut the door and get down on my knees in earnest prayer. I see more of heaven and feel closer to the Lord than if I were assisted by all the telescopes on earth. As I mentioned several weeks ago, I believe worship is a posture of the heart. And in desiring and thirsting after God is also... The bend of our heart. I'd now like to go to Jeremiah chapter seventeen. Verses 5 through 10. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and he shall not see, good, not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness, in a salt land and not inhabited. In the contrast, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh. But her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked, who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins. Even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So, this passage has two illustrations, two pictures of contrast a man, a person who is cursed, or one who is blessed. And again, it uses an illustration. Now, I couldn't bring in, this says heath in the desert, Um, different versions use the word juniper, and you can picture with me a bush, a shrub in the desert, the edge of the desert perhaps because there's a few things growing, but there are goats that come by and they eat what leaves are there. It's defoliated. And against that is the picture of a big tree that is beside a body of water, tall, stable, green, bearing fruit, providing for those around. And I couldn't bring either of those in here this morning, but I have two things here. Two stalks of corn, and I think this illustration may have been used here several years ago by someone else, but you can be refreshed in that. These two stalks of corn were literally closer together than I had them up here, so that all of you can see them together at the same time. The same genetics exact same genetics same soil same planting date one is yielding fruit most of you'd be glad to take that ear off and eat it there was trying to yield some fruit what was the one difference one difference? Water. Water. Now these stalks did not have a choice in what water and how much water they got. But you and I have a choice as to how much water we get and where we get it. This first man, someone that is trusting in himself, making flesh his arm, or that self-righteous, self-sufficient, I've got things together, I'm going to provide for myself, I don't need God. I've sinned against who? Jeremiah 5, in Jeremiah is looking at the situation of Judah and their sins. He says this in verses 7 and 8, How shall I pardon thee for this? Thy children have forsaken me and sworn by them that are no gods. When I had fed them to the full, just think about this, God provided for all their needs and many of, most of their wants. And who of us here is not in that position? It says, when I fed them to the fool, then they committed adultery and assembled themselves by troops into the harlot's houses. They were as fed horses in the morning, everyone neighed after his neighbor's wife. When they had all that they, want, all that, all that they needed, they lusted for more. And they turned their backs on God. In Ezekiel, chapter 16, verses 49 and 50, the prophet says this, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. They were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. position of the heart of, of, I don't need God. And you know, it can come subtly because we can be growing, we can be drinking, and we see how good we're doing. We're at peace. We're at peace with ourselves. We're at peace with life. We have, we're content, which is a good thing, but we're comfortable. And we don't take the time to go to the river. We start to think that our blessings come from our own strength. The contrast here is that of a fruitful tree, unaffected by drought, stable, content, fruitful and a blessing. Why? Because that individual seeks to honor the Lord and trusts in Him for having needs met seeks the direction of the Lord, desires to live that righteous, holy life, whatever is pleasing to the Lord, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it requires giving things up. I'd like to read a passage, and you can follow along. Isaiah 58. Verses 6 through 14, God is speaking through Isaiah and he says here, the context is that of fasting and, and afflicting themselves, but he says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry? and that thou might bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from, his own, from thine own flesh. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and, the, and speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not." and they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and, to feed, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Does that sound like someone that is self-sufficient, self-righteous, and pride, proud? He could it's the heartbeat of one who sees that all he has and is is from God, who desires to share, to deal thy bread to the hungry, to look for the, those that are suffering and oppressed to help them. I was at a gathering last evening and the conversation touched on someone who is a prepper, who is fearful of disruption and of, of the economy and whatnot, and wants to have things in place to take care of themselves. And this person was asked, so what are you going to do if people come get it that don't have? Well, they'll just shoot them. That's not the picture. This is the opposite. This is a heart of generosity. Seeking to please the Lord and be a blessing to others. What is my view toward my situation? The blessings God has given me. Does it cause me to rejoice, to praise Him? Does it cause me to turn away and think that I've got my own sister, that I can get and take care of myself? You know, there's physical aspects, spiritual aspects to this. I'd like to look at some of the words of Jesus as we think of the spiritual aspect We all need water, we all need the water of life, we all need a relationship with God. And Jesus said in John 4 verses 13 and 14, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him, a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. On days like we've had, and days like it sounds like we're going to have, water is critical. Critical for life. Critical... For comfort. We're critical for life. And as we face life, drinking of Christ is critical for life. And not only do we have the water, it springs up. A well of water is the promise. It can spring up. It will sustain us into eternity. And as Jesus said in John 7, 37 and through 39. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But we are to have the Holy Ghost, Signified here, or demonstrated as water, flowing out and being a blessing to those around us. The invitation is to come and to drink. In Revelation 21, verses 6 to 8, And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The choice is before each one of us. Cool, refreshing water of life, or the scorching heat and torment of the lake of fire. It's one or the other. And as I said, these corn plants could not choose. But we each have a choice of where we are going. What we take in. Revelation twenty two seventeen, The Spirit and Bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will... Let him take of the water of life freely. I can tell you this morning of the need to drink water. I can tell you the need to drink the living water. To accept Christ as your all in all. I can attempt to convince you that you're using a broken cistern. That you think you're getting water but it's not really going to last. But it is only you and the Holy Spirit of God that can help you see where you're at. Because I don't know your heart, but God does. And if you're seeking for water from that which will not satisfy and will not last. Only God can help you to see that. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you've never tasted the life-giving water, the fountain of living water. And the invitation is here to come to that fountain To be washed, to be cleansed, and to be refreshed. Or maybe you have tasted, and maybe you've drank of that fountain of living water, but have become infatuated with cisterns. With thinking of ways that you can provide for yourself, maybe slowly... You've been allured to other things. The promise or the allure of different tasting water has actually brought a drought to your soul. Come to Jesus, the fountain of living water. Confess your need for that fresh, life-giving stream. Forsake the stagnant and the limited sources of the world. Water from this well never runs dry. It's free. Let's kneel together for prayer. Father, I thank you this morning for being a sovereign God. all that you are and have done, for your magnificence, your power. Father, I thank you for the truth, thank you for Jesus, and that he came to live a life demonstrating his reliance on you and showing us the way to walk. And that he has called us to a life of repentance and faith. And reaching out to you in, in hearts that are, that are desiring your infilling. And as we have these pictures that you have given of, of water and of drought... And we look around us today in our physical world and we see what happens when there is no rain, and no water. Father, help us to equate this natural reality to our spiritual reality. And to see that if we turn from you and from the provisions of, of water in Christ. And a daily walk and, and worship and desire to know you and to please you. That unless we drink, we will be stunted, we will be cursed, we will be lost. And Father, help us to desire, to thirst, as David did, to thirst after you, to seek you, and to make a commitment in our hearts to put you above all other things. That we can be fruitful, we can be a blessing. In your kingdom, a blessing to those we meet. And thank you for the joy and the peace that comes as we surrender to you. Father, would you take these words, would you take these scriptures, and implant them in our hearts. And by your spirit, would it bear fruit in our lives for your glory. In the coming days and weeks as you tarry, may we desire to be fruitful for you. We ask it in Jesus' name. I'd like if we could have an invitation this morning, a song of, of invitation. If someone would like to respond, if, if God has spoken to your heart of, of a need for the water or a need. Yes, we all have need for more of the water. But if there's something in your life that you would like to, to clear this morning before God in a public way, I'd like to, to sing a verse or two of, of an invitation song. God has spoken to you. Come forward and make, find peace. Every soul by